Welcome to St. Corey Christian Center and our most recent podcast as we go through the book of Ephesians chapter by chapter and verse by verse as we learn what it means to be equipped. God bless you and have a wonderful day. All right, good. Let's go. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to talk about he gave gifts. Who likes giving, getting gifts? Who likes giving gifts? Oh, my to see some of the expressions in the room when husbands were pointing fingers over their wives' heads. like, And as they're doing that, the visa bill's going up. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he himself gave, or say gave, some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, Till we all come to the unity, ever say unity, of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, and that we should no longer, ever say no longer, be children tossed to and fro and being carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth, if I say truth, speaking the truth in love may grow up. Or say, I'm going to grow up. I'm going to grow up in all things, not a few things. I'm going to grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part its share. Are you doing your share? I'm going to keep on going on. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Father, we love you and we thank you for your grace and your power and your mercy and your word. And Father, I know what I just read, a, it's a lot. I get it. But Father, help us because if we try to do this stuff on our own, we'll fall flat on our faces. But when we do it through the help and the realm of the Holy Spirit and your love and your power and your grace and your giftings, all things are possible. So we put it on that hinge today, and we say, in Jesus' name, guide us today. And everybody in the house said, amen. He's a giver. God is a giver. If you're thinking that God is a stingy God, if you're thinking God is a God that's ready to bop you upside the head because of something you have done wrong lately or have not done at all lately, um, you're sadly being misled and a misconception of the God that we serve. If you do a very quick analysis of the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll soon find yourself a giver. I believe that the church ought to be the best example in the community of what it means to be a giving group of people. Amen? Someone says, well, I don't have a lot of money. I didn't say you have to give money. I'm saying give. It could just be you. It could just be your body language. It could just be your good attitude. It could just be a helping hand. I, I remember working for a, a fellow, uh, it feels like 800 years ago, but it was only 23, by the name of Donnie McCarty. And he, he, was a, he was just a go-getter of a guy. And he was in Blacks Harbor. And, and everywhere that we went, he always kept a pair of working gloves and overhauls in his trunk. Because back in those days, Monday and right through till Sunday, the preachers were expected to wear suit and tie all the time. And so... That was just the expectation and the culture back in that day, and so be it. But many a times we would get into situations where someone needed a lawnmower fixed or somebody needed a step fixed or somebody needed a bag of potatoes carried or 
someone's wood box was a little bit emptier. We run into all kinds of just unique situations, and so he'd throw on the old cover hauls and work gloves, and we'd do whatever needed to get done. Why would you say that? He was teaching me it's about giving. And God is about giving, and he has given he tools. He's given gifts to the church that we can't ignore. So he, he lists them out, and I'm not going to go in full detail this morning because I've done a whole Bible study on it a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night. But he said that he gave some apostles. Now, you'll never hear me stand up here and say, hey, I'm Apostle Jonah Macbeth. But there are times I fulfill the office of apostle. There are some times that the likes of you will fulfill the office of apostle. You say, really? That sounds kind of spiritual. No, it's true. So if you know what the definition is, it makes it a little bit easier. The apostle is someone that would be a special representative, as the Amplified Bible puts it out. An apostle is someone who breaks new ground that tries new things. Those kinds of attitudes and those kinds of hearts and rooms really sometimes have a challenge because when apostleship gets in the room and someone says, I have an apostleship motive about me, that they're always trying something new. And the regular church is saying, we've never done it that way before. And the apostle's like, i got a new idea. I've got a new vision. i got a new dream. And you're like, let me catch my breath. I'm trying to catch up to your last one. But apostles are like, God's entrepreneurs always got a new idea, always got a dream. All of the other disciples, they had the teaching, they had the guidance. But then this guy by the name of Paul shows up and he goes, I've got a dream. I've got a vision. We've got to take this to Rome. Nobody else was saying that. But this entrepreneur for God says, I know I'm an apostle. I thank God for apostles and say, you know what? If it can move God forward and if it can grow the church, I I want the apostles hard at it. Then there's the prophets. They're the weirdos. I can say that because if you do a study of the prophets in the Old Testament, they were just unique lads. They, they did have no filter at all. If you check them out, they didn't have much of a filter. Very bold. But when they spoke, things happened. In this day and age, if I get up and said, I'm Prophet Jody Macbeth, you'd be like, okay, what ship did he fall off of today? But you know what? There are sometimes I'll fulfill the office of prophet. There are sometimes that I will foretell over the church and over people's lives. There are times that we have prayed here Tuesday night, and there are times that we have prayed at the altar, and I've given a word of knowledge over someone and prophesied over them and said, this will come to pass. That's prophecy. I'm not the only one because, remember, I'm not the only one fulfilling these five. Actually, that's quite wrong for me to fulfill all five and nobody else to fulfill any of these. You with me so far? I'm going to keep on moving. I can, so I can foretell, and I can also, I can foretell. So I can share something happening in the past, or I can foretell by pontificating the Word of God. Just by preaching the Word of God is a word of prophecy. You with me so far? Because a lot of times that we preach, we're preaching things that have, have come to pass, things that did come to pass, and things that will come to pass. Then we have the evangelist, the guy that lives in the suitcase. The evangelist is that one running around Charlotte County saying, come and go with me to my father's house. Come and go with me. I got something to tell you. Come on, I got empty spaces in my back seat. Come with me. Let's go for lunch. Let's go for coffee. That is the evangelist. They just want to share God's good news. And guess what? I fulfill that role sometimes, but so do we all. 
Amen? We do those things. And then there's pastors and teachers. And that is where we get a little more relaxed and comfortable because that is the common word we use within the ministries, pastors and teachers. And we are to shepherd and guide the flock. And that is what I fulfill basically my full mandate in as pastors and teachers. But the reason that I bring this out in clear detail this morning without spending a lot of time on it is God has set the church up for a win. He's in the business of breaking new ground. He's in the business of establishing that ground once it is broken and once it is developed. We need prophets. We need bold people to stand up behind pulpits. We need bold people to intercede and pray and get a hold of God and know what's coming to pass and declare the word of God. We need evangelists as well to declare the good news of God and the good gospel that God has brought to us through the act of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. We need those, and we also need pastors and teachers. And sometimes I feel like the pastors and teachers are the referee. And that's okay. It is. Someone's got to do it. That's right. If you, if you get, try to get a context of just a little bit what I'm talking about, look how Jesus led the disciples. Oh, there was 12. But jumpers, I'm telling you, there's like 12 cats. Then they get rangy-tang about who, who Jesus loves the most and who's the most popular and who's the most, who's the most uh, effective and who's going to get the keys of the kingdom. All of, but Jesus, oh, we're going this way. John chapter 11, all over the place, Jesus goes, we're going to the tomb. That's where the dead man is. Well, let's just go die with Thomas. No, we're going to the tomb. That's where the dead man is. Don't worry about all this stuff over here and here and here. We're going to the tomb. And that is the role of pastor. And that's okay. And so sometimes it's fun to get up here. Sometimes it's not fun to get up here. Sometimes you got to get a word. And I, I said this last night, we were out with some folks last night, and we were just talking about the ministry. And I said, you know what I've learned, even from Brother McKean days, is that if you're not willing to take a bullet for every one of you, you don't belong here. Romans 12 and 5 says it this way, so in Christ, we who are many are one body. Let's say it together, one body. And each member belongs to one and other. He has set the church up. For a win as long as we follow his model. If we don't follow his model, we will lose every time because we operate in the flesh. See, these things were established in the realm of the spirit. And not God's not going to change his order. He's not going to change his structure. And so why does God do all this? I thought we just swung the spiritual magic Jesus wanted and everything just took place. No. Why? Verse 13. Unity. God put this all in order for unity. He knew way back at the tree how knuckleheaded and stiff-necked kind of people we are. He almost seemed proud. <laughs> Moses goes back to God. God, how long do I get to deal with these stubborn, stiff-necked people? For a while, yeah. But you know what? God wouldn't listen to that. He says, Moses, you go do this. Moses, you go do this. You just listen to my voice. You listen to my directive. You listen to my guidelines. As long as you follow my will and my ways, I promise you, I'm going to bless you, the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea. And I'm telling you right now, I'm going to be with you the day. I'm going to be with you in the night. We're going to be, we're going to be wild getting there. But you know what? We're all in this together. And that flowed through Jesus Christ. And here we are together today. And re reality is, is that we are together as one body. So we're here together as unity. Why unity? Hell hates unity. When he sees unity in the body of Christ, and we talked about it a week or two ago, when he sees unity in the body of Christ, 
he stands at attention because he knows there's a command coming. The book of Psalms says that he will command his blessing. And when God gives a blessing out over a body of believers, over a people of God, when he gives that blessing out, it's like opening up the floodgates of heaven and just dump loads, basket loads of power and healing and strength and anointing. That's what happens when the blessing is commanded on the people of God. And that's why God says, I'm setting you up for unity. As long as you follow this, you'll be together. He also gave it for maturity. Who here is very mature? Verse 14, that we should no longer be children. You ever been around someone that's about 50 years old and said, would they ever just grow up? Oh, you haven't. I have. I'll give you a list. Of, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that we should no longer be children, what? Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. You take a little toddler into Toys R Us. And you will soon find out if they have ADHD or OCD or any other DDD along the way. They're here, they're here, they're here. Now, if you take someone, you know, you take someone of an older nature, like I'll go into um, Princess Auto, is it there in St. John Guilford? You go in there, and I'm like the little kid at Toys R Us. I'm like, I got to touch all these tools. I got to touch all these little trinkets and little things just all over the place, tossed to and fro, spiritually. God says, I want you to set the map. I want you to set the GPS, and I want you to go for the gold. Find your gift. Find your callings. Find your abilities. Find your skill sets and grow that and grow that and grow that and grow that. For example, I remember when I started out in the ministry, it was a protocol to start out as a youth pastor. Mr. Youth Pastor had to get the title. Had to get there because you couldn't get anywhere else till you got that. And I was pathetic at it. I was at one church. If you've done the math, you'd probably figure out what church this is at. And I was there for six months, and that senior pastor come, that youth group was growing like leaps and bounds. He sat down. He said, Joe, we got to have a talk. I said, yeah, I agree. we got to have a talk. And I looked at him, and I said, I'm, I'm not a youth pastor. I, I love these kids, but I, I'm, I'm like a square peg in a round hole, man, I'm telling you. Like, I was an old soul. I was like 50 years old when I was 15 kind of thing, right? And I was just like, man, I couldn't get them. Their, their lingo and their jingo, and I, I just wasn't good at it. But that was a protocol. So the, the, the pastor being discerning enough said, well, we're going to fix this because I, I don't want to see you go, but I need you to stay, so we're going to move you into a role that we know you can fulfill. We'll put you into the role of associate pastor, and we'll find a youth pastor. So that's what we did, and it worked. What I'm saying is find your gifting. Find your passion, find your skill set, and grow with it. Why? Because that keeps us in the maturity level, and we're not tossed all over the place. Well, one week I like this, one week I like that, one week I like it over here. The reason why God needs maturity in the body, and listen to me, he needs maturity in the body of believers because maturity brings stability. Maturity cries out for this thing that brings us together is stability because when the new babies come in, oh, they can cry, and I'm glad to hear them cry and fuss, but guess what babies need? Stability. You can laugh. You can cry. You can get mad, but I've got a stable arm around you, and I'm going to hold you, and I'm going to feed you, and I'm going to love you, 
I see a mom in the back row today. She's holding her baby. Stability. God's saying we need maturity and stability in the body of Christ. Why? Because that will keep them on the straight and the narrow. That will keep them through the good days and the bad days. We need mature seasoned folks that know their calling, that know their gifting, know their ability. Because I'm telling you, perilous times are going to come. Wars and rumors of wars and all of these things will come. Crazy doctrines will try to sweep into the church. Crazy ideas will creep into the church. But guess what? Don't be tossed to and fro every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness or the deceitful things and plotting of the enemy. Why be strong and hold each other. Hold them be mature. When the world comes in and they're broken up and they're messed up and they sense the oneness and they sense the unity and they sense the maturity. They understand we may not be perfect but you know what we do have? We've got it together. And he says this. Number three. If you're taking notes or keeping count, he says, in love. He sets this up for the church to stay in love. Who's in love today? Who loves your church? Me. <laughs> I can honestly say, I love, as they say down the south, y'all. Doesn't mean we're all the same. No. No, wouldn't want to be all the same. But guess what is the same? One purpose, one God, one faith, one baptism, one Lord, one hope, one heaven, one cross, one Jesus, one sacrifice, one giver, one salvation. It's all about Jesus at the end of the day, bringing all this crazy stuff together for one purpose under heaven. And he says, you know what? You can bring this all together together. And do it in love. You can do something and be right. And I've said this a thousand times. And I'll probably say it a thousand times more. You can be right and wrong, right, dead center at the same time. How do you do that? Glad you asked. By speaking the truth in love. It's okay for us to speak truth. If there's ever a world in 2021 that needs truth, it is right now. And we can do it in love. Amen? Amen. I could stand on the street corner today, this afternoon, you could as well, by pizza delight, get my Bible out and say, repent or hell. It's the truth, but it's not in love. And I, they'd be on Facebook like, check out the freak down by Pizza D. But I could go to Pizza Delight, Alley Bug, and I could just go over and say, hey, how you doing today? And see some young family sitting at their chair. Say, you know what? I just hope you guys have a good day and dinner's on me. Stuff like that goes a long way. Someone calls your advice, don't tell them what they want to hear. Tell them what they need to hear, but tell them that in love. So before you speak out to somebody, do a little check. Be slow to anger. Remember, long-suffering is delayed anger. Before you speak back to someone, do a check and say, hey, am I in love with that person? Because if I'm not in love with you, I don't have the license to speak into your life. I'll say it again. If I am not in love with you, I don't have the license to speak into your life. Why? He says it this way, speak the truth in love, may grow up in all things. Now, what wife has looked at the husband and said, would you just grow up? Dwayne just laughed. I am not speaking into that. I'm not a prophet. You know, I'm a pastor. <laughs> we do it in love that we may grow up. In all things, because here's what happens. When you speak into people's life in love, you're growing. 
You're growing you, and you're growing them, and we're growing up. In what? All things. I struggled in that department, but I'm in love with you, and I'm going to speak the truth, and now we're growing up. We're growing up. We're getting stronger. We're getting mature. We're getting bigger. Why? Because we're going to grow up in all things into him. Who is the head? Christ. Jesus, you're not right here. You're here in spirit, but right now I am your representative, and I'm going to speak into their life like I am speaking for you, that we're all going to grow up into him, and I pray that you're proud of what I'm about to say. Hello. We have unity, maturity, and love, and to bring it all together, the church has purpose. He does all this, verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. You notice Paul never once lays out a list and says, well, if you got 150 or 250 together in a body, well, there's about 80% that have it all, and the rest could just sit by, sit by and watch. He says, no, every part does its share. If you don't understand this, go break a leg, go break an arm, go break a toe. Have an ego on you. Let me ask you this question. Who here this morning thought about your pinky finger? If y'all broke the pinky finger, y'all would be thinking about the pinky finger. Every part does this share. So I'm just an old pinky finger. You might be the old pinky finger. But try to play the guitar without it. Try to type without it. Try to live with the pain. And all of a sudden, because that part is ailing, the whole body is ailing, because now every thought and every bit of attention is now given to the old pinky finger. You with me so far? God has set the church up for a win. And he joins us together. And I like this word that he uses. It's a very effective and powerful word. He says the effective working. Your work for the kingdom of God is effective. What you do affects the other one. In a big way. I said it three years ago when was, in one of my messages. I said, everybody's leading somebody somewhere. I want to be effective in giving Lynn a good day. I want to be effective in giving everybody in this day a good day. I want to be effective in my work. I want to be effective. We used to tease Alan Johnson all the time because when he retired, they're still scratching heads trying to find out how to replace him because they wasn't sure what he did. And we nag him and nag him and nag him. He could dig it. He could dig it. But <laughs> here's the question. Here's the real question in the spirit realm. <laughs> If you stopped working for God now, would hell know? That's a big question. And somebody, you need to realize right now that you are effective. Well, I just came to church. You don't know what the one is going through that's sitting around you about you. You don't know what kind of week they have, but I'm going to be effective. I'm going to not infect them. I'm going to affect them. 
I'm going to affect them with love and joy and peace and long-suffering and mercy and goodness and grace. I'm going to affect them. I'm going to be so effective, they're going to think Jesus is standing right beside them. For this one last line, he says it this way. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. All these things cause growth. I'm talking about growing a people that when the storms come and the crazy Mondays show up, I'm growing. I'm effective. I am strong. I've been working out. I've been getting it done. The word edify means to work it out, to get better, to be stronger. I'm growing up. I'm not tossed to and fro. I'm not up and down and all over the place. But guess what? We as a people of God in these crazy, crazy times you and I are in, I'm going to cause growth. The world is causing pain, and the world's causing division, and the world's causing disunity, and the world's causing polarization, and the world's causing fright and fear. But God chooses the church to cause growth. Why do we need it? Because here's the deal we need it because of this. When we have these things and we're set up and we're so in love with one another, Fear shows up at the door and says, oh, there's perfect love. There's perfect love. There's perfect love. And what does perfect love do? It casts out all fear. It casts out all fear. And when sin shows up and pain shows up and demonic forces show up and hurt shows up and diseases show up, it picks up on the love in the room and it casts it out. It casts it out. I've heard tell of people walking in this room and getting healed and not a word being said. I've had teachers and professionals and lay workers and rent collar workers and white collar workers walk through these doors and say, there's something different. I love this place. What's going on? Perfect love. Perfect love. Perfect Perfect love is going on in the room, and what happens is casting out all the fears. Whew. It's a big deal. Because in this world, there's perfect chaos. We've been keeping very close communication with our friends in Israel this week. I have never met such a group of people so full of faith. We've been talking, Bonnie's been talking to the lady that was our tour guide when we were, in, we were just there 24 months ago in Tel Aviv and all over the place. And she's giving us a daily account of what's going on over there. But their faith is strong. Why? Because they are in perfect love with Jesus. The missiles can fly. The craziness can happen. Even her own mom is living in a bomb shelter. Why is there such tenacity? Why such stability? Because they're in perfect love with Jesus. If you find your world is over here one day and over here the next and around here the next, just get in love with Jesus and get in love with one another. And I'm telling you right now, you'll grow, grow, grow. 
As we all stand together this morning, I want you to hear me loud and clear today. God has set the church up for a win when we follow His blueprint. That's why I said if anybody else shows up with another book, another doctrine, another gospel, let him be a curse. Because he knew it would mess the church up and mess the win up. But I'm telling you today, you follow after his heart. Say we're going to win. He didn't have to die on the cross to give up pastors and apostles and the teachers. He didn't have to die on the cross to give out the gifts of administration. There's about 28 or 29 of them. We could go through the whole list. He didn't have to even die on the cross to give up the gifts of the Spirit, for they were already in operation before Calvary. But to give up the gift of salvation, the sacrifice had to be made. Everything we do is to show everybody that gift. That gift of salvation. It's not about my gift or your gift or somebody else's gift. It's about His gift. And all of us working effectively together to show someone there is hope in this crazy world that you can know that when you lay your head to rest at night tonight, if you take your last breath here, your next one's in heaven, you can know that without a shadow of a doubt. I stood by too many hospital beds and held too many hands of hard-hearted men and women that for years said, there's no God, there's no love. But then those last few hours, they look up at me and say, you know what? This Jesus you told me about, I, I really want to make it right, and I'm sorry. I I'm going to make it right right now. And the Bible says this, that when somebody repents, Heaven rejoices. God responds. He gets out his pen and he begins to write in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's about the gift. If you're in this room today and you haven't received that gift of salvation, that's what this great God of grace is all about. Maybe you're online here today and you're watching at home, at work, and you don't know about this gift of salvation, this gift of love. Someone says, well, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the mess ups and the pain I've caused. I don't, but he does. And his grace is greater. His grace is greater. Well, I'm not religious. Neither am I. Welcome to the club. But I am on a race. Steady. Consistently. Loving one another. To make sure that everybody we come in contact with knows about the gift. And if that's you this morning, online in this room, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I plead with you, I beg of you, to reach out to this Jesus who loves you. He's the forgiver. He's the lover of your soul. He's the way maker. 
He's the one we're singing about at the rooftops. He's the one that will make a way where it seems there is no way. He's the one at the end of the day will greet you at the gates and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come on in. I know he's knocking. And all the Bible says is he stands and he knocks at the door. If any man would open up that door, he would come in and sit and he would sup with them. That knocking will get louder and louder and louder. He won't bust the door down, but he'll knock pretty loud. And he'll keep your attention because he's got a gift. He's got a gift, and he can't stand to hold it to himself, but he wants to give it away, give it away, give it away. Everything that I said today boils down to what I just said in two minutes. There's a gift for you. I open up this altar today. That's the area here in front of the church. And if you don't know this Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, if you have not been introduced to this gift, then maybe the one you're sitting beside today, maybe the one that brought you, maybe the one that's encouraging you, the one that's coaching you and helping you along will come with you. And I'm sensing strong in my spirit right now. Somebody you need to know. You can't be good enough to get this gift. You just got to show up to the tree. Just take a walk. And the gift is there. Thanks for tuning into our podcast today. We pray that you've been equipped and encouraged. Continue to follow us on sccc.online. And there will be resources and tools available to you. And reach out to us at any time if we can help. Have an amazing day.